0: can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. I'm Caleb Zachron, assistant editor of the New Books Network. Today, I'm speaking to sports journalist and author Alex Squadron. We're discussing his new book, Life in the G, Minor League Basketball and the Relentless Pursuit of the NBA. In fall 2021, Alex followed the Birmingham Squadron for an entire season. In this book, Alex documents the struggles faced by athletes on the cusp of excellence, vying for spots in a league that could change their lives forever. This book is essential for all basketball fans who want to gain a better understanding of the game beyond the NBA and college basketball. At the heart of this book is also a series of profiles of four basketball players fighting for their careers. Not every NBA story is like the ones featured in The Last Dance or More Than a Game. Life in the G is real and relatable. Alex, thanks for joining me today on the New Books
1: Network. For sure, man. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. You know, th- this uh
0: this book was what was well written. And I think, you know, you you really shine a light on an aspect of the game, uh, you know, basketball. There's so much focus on the uh, uh yeah, on the stars and the money and the you know the glitz and the glam. But it's it's good to also highlight uh, you know, the 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 countless other players that are that are trying to make it into the league. Uh and, you know, before jumping into talking about the book, I was wondering if you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background.
1: Sure. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for saying that. That was definitely the goal was to, uh, you know, tell the stories that don't normally get told and cover the players that, um, yeah, are out of the spotlight. And I've always felt deserve more attention and more spotlight. So thank you for saying that. Uh, yeah. Just a little background I'm from New York. I went to Washu in St. Louis. I've always been a huge sports fan and uh, obviously into writing as well. Um, I was briefly a sports reporter at the New York Post and then uh, spent uh, several years as an editor for Slam Magazine. Uh, And that's kind of how I got really into basketball. It always been kind of my goal to to focus solely on basketball and Slam. You know, it was like the basketball Bible. So uh, that was a perfect fit for me. And I spent uh, three years there and then um, really wanted to pursue what was kind of my ultimate goal, which was to be an author uh and had this idea in the back of my mind to write about the g league and um i'm sure we'll get into all of this but i kind of felt like you know in order to do that i had to kind of pour everything into it um, and sort of made this decision to um leave slam and um embed myself uh with the team in the g league and um like i said fully pursue you know my ultimate dream which was to be an author and uh, i guess that's what brought me here yeah wonderful now you definitely succeeded um, you Thank
0: know, you. as you, as you said, you know, m- many people probably don't know what the G league is, or if they're know what the G league is, they might know it by a different name that it used to go by. So right. for those who don't know, what is the G league?
1: Yeah. So the G league, uh, is the official minor league of the NBA. Um, and most people probably know it as the D league, uh, which it was for a long time until they changed the name in 2017 to the G league. And that's actually the G stands for Gatorade. Cause that's a product of a, a partnership with, Uh, the sports drink company. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's fairly new by, you know, sports league standards. I know minor league baseball has been around for over a century and, um, you know, minor league basketball, While there's been leagues that have been pipelines to the NBA, the G league or what was once the D league has been around for, um, you know, since 2000, so almost 25 years. So, uh, that was part of what drew me to it. I mean, it it was growing every year. And, um, now you're basically at, you know, this point where it's a true minor league, every team has an affiliate and, um, you know, there's movement back and forth and it's just, uh, it's run very similarly to, you know, a triple a baseball or the system that people are used to, uh, reading about and covering. So, um, the fact that it was growing every year and uh, becoming more and more essential to NBA teams, um, you know, it just felt like the timing was right to to finally tell the story of you know the NBA's minor league. So you cover the the Birmingham
0: Squadron, the G League affiliate uh, for the New Orleans uh, New Orleans Pelicans. So just two quick questions: one is, <laughs> did having the same name as the team help you get them to agree to the book? Uh, and what was it like when you first visited the city and the team?
1: Question one: I I would imagine so. I mean, I think um, you know I've been telling people. It, because I think what made the book what it was, was the level of access that I got. And people are surprised by that. Um, and, you know, I think that because it's the G League and these players, these coaches, these executives don't get covered much, it really wasn't that hard to, to kind of get in the door. Uh, but it, it really was as simple as I sent them an email. I mean, I obviously had been working for SLAM and, you know, had stuff to point to and connections within the Pelicans organization. And... Uh, had been around enough where, yeah, I think that they understood that this was legit, and I, I really wanted to do it. Um, but when you get an email that, that is from Alex Squadron, I'm sure you're more likely to open it than if it was from you know a random name. So I, I imagine that had you know helped a little bit. I certainly like pointed to it and made a joke about it uh, in the email. Um, but they were so open to having me cover them to giving me kind of all the access that I requested um, because, you know, I was moving from New York to Birmingham and uh, I wasn't prepared to do that unless I knew I was going to get the access that I felt like I needed to, to write this book. So um, that's, I think probably the name helped a little bit to answer your first question. And my initial impression was um, you know, I think the city was great. It's not at all what I'm used to. Like I said, I'm from New York. Um, it was much quieter, uh, but in a way that was great for me because, you know, moving down there, my intention was, I'm only going to be here for six, seven months while I report. And I want to be, you know, no distractions. I want to go to every event that they'll let me cover. I want to travel with them. I want to just be fully embedded. Um, and, you know, I have friends and family in New York. Um, there's a little, no, you know, not a knock on Birmingham, but there's a little bit more to do in New York. And so, um, the fact that I was just like, okay, you know, this is a very comfortable city, great food, um, and great people. And the organization itself just was a great situation. And it was the perfect spot for me to just like put my head down and just focus on reporting and writing. So, um, everything worked out perfectly in terms of the city, the team. Um, yeah, everybody that I crossed paths with during, you know, that six, seven month stretch.
0: So w- when you first got there uh, in in around the fall of, t- of 2021, uh, you know, what was the makeup of the team and the staff like when you first arrived? You know, uh, could, you, could you walk us through a little bit what a G League team is like compared to maybe other teams and, and how, you know, someone even gets on a team, on a G League team in the first place?
1: Yeah, because uh, you're right, it is very different. And um, there's several different, I guess, ways in which, Uh, players get acquired in the G league. They don't say that they get signed because uh, every player actually signs the same contract. So they sign with the G league and then teams acquire them from essentially like a player pool. Uh, And that's a process that enables players to get called up to any team because they're not signed to, you know, if they're with the squadron, they're the affiliate of the Pelicans, but they're not signed by the Pelicans so that if the trailblazers want to call them up, you know, they're just kind of in this G league pool. Um, but there's a bunch of different ways. I mean, the G league has open tryouts, which I cover in the book, uh, pay $150 and you, you know, anybody can try out and, uh, you know, give it a shot. So that's one way there's a G league draft, which is obviously much less talked about or covered than the NBA draft, but a similar situation. There's two rounds and players just enter their names. Uh, and then, you know, it's not televised or anything, but, uh, run the same way. Um, and then, you know, there's a bunch of players now who are essentially coming from NBA teams. So there's players who will get assigned throughout the season. There's also guys on two-way contracts, which means that they're signed to, uh, signed to the NBA team, but the intention is that they're going to kind of split their time between the NBA and the G league. Um, and then there's guys who will, uh, essentially sign what are called exhibit 10 contracts where they go to NBA training camp, uh, with the expectation that they're going to be there for training camp. Uh, and then go down and play for the G league team. So uh, the roster is built very differently, but the result is like guys from kind of in, in all different positions uh, coming from different situations. Um, and, you know, the interesting part about the G league is they all share that, that same goal to, to get to the NBA. So uh, hopefully the book uh, sheds some light on just like how these teams get put together. Cause it is very unique.
0: Yeah, I should mention that you you know you you do cover these tryouts and you do cover the draft, uh, and and, and you really tell them as a story, you know, story, it's good storytelling uh, of Thank just you. like what these experiences are like for these for these players and and the the coaches involved. Uh, in the book, you you focus on several athletes in particular. I sort of you could introduce uh, these four players and why you chose to feature them.
1: For sure, yeah. Um... I guess I should start by shouting out uh, kind of a mentor of mine who hired me at Slam. His name's Ben Osborne, and he had written a book about minor league baseball. And he was like the first person I called when I, you know decided this is what I wanted to do, or at least was interested in doing it. Uh, and you know, a huge piece of advice he gave me was make sure you kind of like focus on a few characters, uh, which seems like it would be obvious, but uh, like this is my first book. I think there was a good chance that I'd go down there and just like, try to write about the entire experience. And, um, you know, I think that a, a big piece of the book is that you're able to get to know these characters and relate to them. And, uh, hopefully by the end are, are, rooting for them. So, um, that was just like really valuable advice from Ben. Uh, so I went down there knowing that I, I wanted to focus on a few. Um, and then the process was like, I interviewed everybody cause I didn't want to just choose them without getting to know them, hearing more about their backstories, uh so I went in kind of, you know, with guys in mind, but not wanting to just pinpoint it from day one. Uh, and then narrowed it down. I would say a month in, I settled on the four that the book covers, which are uh Jared Harper. And he is uh his story is kind of the undersized, uh, incredibly skilled, constantly overlooked because he's, you know, 5'10, 5'11 um point guard. And yeah, uh, he actually fans might remember because he uh play for Auburn and led them to the final four, um, a handful of years ago. So he, uh, was one of the characters, uh, Zylan Cheatham was another, he was like one of the other leaders of the team. Um, just this like incredible athlete, really talented player. Um, you know, if you watched him, you'd think this guy's certainly an, an NBA caliber talent. And, uh, his story was interesting to me because he's kind of like every obstacle you can imagine this guy's encountered, Um, terrible luck, terrible timing, uh, just all these things kind of working against him. Uh, And, you know, the season that I was there, just um, he's continuing to kind of push through and and facing all that adversity and still determined to to get to the NBA. Um, So that's Zylan. Another one is Joe Young. Fans might remember him because he was actually in the NBA briefly uh, for three years with the Pacers. And his story is the guy who kind of was in the NBA Uh, had accomplished his dream, fallen out for uh, a number of reasons that um, the book dives into. uh, And this was his effort to to get back and kind of rewrite his narrative and, um, you know, change the perception of him from his initial stint in the NBA. Uh, And the last one is Malcolm Hill. And he, um, you know, I think his story is in a lot of ways, the heart of the book because he's this kind of obscure prospect uh, who had been overseas and, um, you know, I think the fact that he was, uh, still aiming to get to the NBA, still dreaming of the NBA to a lot of people would have seemed kind of like preposterous because he was really unknown. And, um, when the book opens, you know, he had been playing in Israel and not playing overseas, which is, uh, rare that a player would, you know, be not playing overseas and then try to, you know, think, be ambitious enough to think that they could get to the NBA. So Malcolm is kind of the obscure prospect, um, with this, like. Incredibly diligent uh, approach and crazy work ethic, who um, will do anything to to accomplish that far fetched goal. So those are the the four I settled on.
0: So I think uh, you know one of the main tensions in the book that you constantly are, are discussing is that the the G League is not the the goal for players. The 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 G right. League is is a bridge to the NBA, um, and you know as a result, it means that it's kind of like this place where Players might not, you know, they might be very happy to be in the G League, but they might not necessarily want to be there uh, either. So, you know, what's the the kind of the the feeling that players have about being in the G League? Are, are they are they happy to be there? You know, do they or do they just try and put on a, a smile and act like, you know, oh, yeah, this is what I want
1: to be doing. Right. It's a great question because um, the G League, and you'll hear this a lot if you spend enough time around G League people. Uh, it's described as the place that nobody wants to be, um, which makes it sound really bad, which, which it's not. I mean, it, it is still, you know, you're playing professional basketball. The salaries are, you know, not even comparable to what guys are paying in the NBA. Yeah, but what, what are the, um, the salaries?
0: Uh, like obviously, some, yeah. you know, Steph Curry makes like $50 million a year. So that's, you know,
1: there, there's some outliers, of course, in the NBA, but yeah, you know, what are the salaries like compared, yeah, comparatively? Yeah, I mean, even on a two way contract, which is kind of the smallest, you know, NBA contract, that's like, I think it's this season up to half a million dollars. And a standard G League contract this year, I believe, is $42,000. Um, the year that I was there, it was $37,000. So this is like, it's not even in the, in the, the same a world ballpark. of difference. Yeah. Um, and, and the book talks about how, even if you get called up for 10 days, you're making more money in that 10 day stretch than you do for an entire G league season. Um, but all that being said, you know, these guys love to play basketball and the G league is, um, you know, it's kind of pure it's the same thing. as like minor league baseball. It's just pure basketball guys who love to hoop because you're playing constantly. Um, you know, there's not, the glitz and glamour, like we talked about. So you have to really love the game uh, to be there. Um, but yeah, I mean that that is real. You can feel that what you were saying at, at the beginning, like that sense that like everybody, you, you can't be in the G League and, and be satisfied. Nobody's there and like, oh, I made it, or like, you know, I'm I'm content to be here. Um, every single person, and and you definitely feel this. You see it from like the coaches to the players to the executives to the announcers the referees the managers equipment managers ball boys all of them like want to get to the nba or want something bigger um and so that creates an environment that's uh, both like very cutthroat and very competitive and um obviously very pressure filled and also uh you know I think we'll get into this but like there's a lot of camaraderie in that you know there's a lot of um, you know, weirdly enough, there's a lot of kind of rooting for, uh, one guy to make it or kind of everybody to make it because there is a little bit of that mentality. Like, you know, X guy makes it, we all make it because we're all trying to get there. So, um, I think it's a combination of like that, you know, you gotta be cutthroat. You have to be willing to go the extra mile and, um, you know, have that competitive edge, but you're also kind of pulling for for your you know your teammates your friends uh your peers across the league to to get to where everybody wants to be what is the atmosphere like when a player gets called up uh incredibly emotional you know i, I think i was fortunate to like see you know, hopefully not too many spoilers but see a couple people get called up um and it, it's you know it's what you imagine it's what you know you've seen in in documentaries or tv shows where these guys break down crying or um you know i, I a couple of the guys just in complete shock i remember uh, one of the characters that i followed just like seeing him shortly after and it just looked like he like like had no idea where he was he was like almost just pale and like couldn't believe it um you know it, it's it's such a dream it, it's, a, it's a childhood dream that like when that comes true um you know all the emotions that you would imagine and uh then again like the you know knowing that just making it for a lot of these guys is not enough they're like so focused on what's next and how can i stick in the nba and everything is moving at like lightning speed i mean these guys get called up and you know within hours they're they're no longer in the g league they're in the nba they're signing these contracts and then it's like you're you know you have this audition this tryout for uh, however long that contract is set to last. So, um, you know, there's that moment of like complete and utter shock and, you know, bliss and excitement. And then there's like, like, I gotta, you know, I gotta focus. I gotta make sure I take advantage of this. So uh, it's surreal to, to see it up close, especially as you're going through the season and you see all that goes into to trying to get there. The season that you covered, you know, it wasn't the famous COVID nba bubble
0: season but it, mm-hmm. covid still played a significant role yeah uh, in the 2021 2022 season so how, how did the uh the ongoing pandemic affect players opportunities to make the league
1: yeah so this was the season if you can remember back uh of omicron which turned out to be um you know obviously it wasn't the bubble but it was for g league purposes like a way crazier, more hectic time because the season kept going. Um, And there was a lot of kind of confusion around what should we do? Uh, NBA teams were completely decimated because Omicron was so contagious. You know, one guy would get it before long, like seven guys in the team would have it. Um, And so what that ends up, what ends up happening is, um, you know, into December, January, which is when Omicron was really, uh, spreading very fast and kind of out of control, um, all these NBA teams start looking to the G league cause they just need relief right away. You know, it's not like, uh, you know, they, they're thinking about the future or really, um, necessarily invested in these players. They just like, we have a game tomorrow and, and we have five guys. So like, we need to, to call up players. So that creates this like absolute, um, you know, perfect storm kind of for G league guys, as long as they're able to stay healthy, you know, they're never going to get a shot like this to play in the NBA. So whether it was just an opportunity to cross that kind of goal and that dream off your list, or like a lot of guys got their foot in the door and like thrived and then earned contracts because uh, you know, people got to actually see what they were capable of up close and um, at the highest level. So um, that was a, a surreal time to be covering it all because um, there was so much excitement about all these opportunities open up, opening up, but also so much like anxiety um, and like apprehension that like you might get an opportunity or be on the doorstep of an opportunity and then get Homicron, uh, which happened to a lot of guys. and you know, there's nothing you could do You're, you're in quarantine, you know th- those opportunities come and go. So um, it, it added just another layer of like, insane drama to, to me, like minor league sports in general are just like always dramatic. And, um, you know, there's always pressure and stress, but this was like all of that times a million. So, um, yeah, it's a big part of the book for sure. You know, as much as it's, you know, exciting and thrilling to see
0: a player get sent up players also, you know, they they get to spend some time in the NBA and then they get sent down. So, you know, what's it like for players when they get sent down, um,
1: you know, the emotions. You know, it wasn't quite what I expected, I would say, not honestly, so much of like what I saw and experienced was not what I expected, but, um, cause I-, I think that it used to be viewed, you know, guys coming down as like a demotion, you know, if you're an NBA player and you got sent to the D league, which, you know, that was the early days, it was kind of like, oh, like I'm being punished, you know, they, they um, they're not invested in me. They don't care about me. They think I'm an afterthought. They just want me to go down to this, you know, distant kind of D league organization. And, um, you know, they want me away essentially. Um, now, and you know, I, I experienced to say, no, I've heard people say this, but I think people are skeptical about it. Players do really view it as like a, an opportunity. And I think because the G league has kind of risen in profile a little bit, Um, you know, guys understand that it's kind of a part of the process and that like getting sent down is not necessarily like a, we don't care about you. It's like, we actually are, are invested in you. We actually want you to get better and we want to see you progress. And the best way for you to do that is to get reps. Um, and you know, because there's the one-to-one affiliations now, meaning that like there's a G league team kind of matched to an NBA team. You still feel a part of the process. You still feel a part of the team, a part of the system. Um, so at least like when I was there, the guys who came down, which was Trey Murphy, Jackson Hayes, Jose Alvarado, um, Najee Marshall, a bunch of these guys were coming down with good attitudes, you know, kind of determined to help the G league team and also kind of get better, uh, and show the NBA teams what they could do. Um, and by the end of that season, all four of those guys were playing like real roles for the Pelicans. So. Uh, I was able to kind of see it work um, as long as guys kind of come down with that mentality uh, and sort of embrace this as like a a part of the journey now. And I think the more the G league grows and um, you know, the more that perception starts to flip, like, you know, it's just like minor league baseball where in minor league baseball, all the stars play at least, at least get a little bit of time in the minors to kind of work their way up. Um, and you're seeing that more and more with the G league where top picks, top prospects are coming in and they're, you know, at least getting a little bit of experience in the G League to prepare them for, you know, what the NBA is. So um, I think the, the perception has really changed and assignment guys now are kind of embracing that, that experience. So obviously, uh,
0: you know, I don't want you to have to give away, uh, you know, what happens to the, to the people in your book, because I, you know, I do want to highlight that, that this, you know, your book really is built up a, a lot around stories of these, these individual players, but could you share a little bit about you know, what happens to G League players? You know, is it common for them to stay on the same team for several years? Or do they move around to different G League teams? Do they move overseas if they feel like they're not getting opportunities? You know, what does that look like for, for, for players?
1: Yeah, well, first of all, I appreciate that. I, I've done a bunch of like interviews, and I never know like, whether I'm supposed to spoil it, because you can obviously it's just you can Google these guys and figure it out. I've been like, just erring on the side of caution and like, maybe people just don't want to, you know, they want to listen to this and then read it. And hopefully uh, because these players are not as well known, like just not have any idea what's going to happen to them. So I've been trying to like resist too many spoilers. Um, but yeah, I think um, the kind of the, this is a big theme of the book because kind of the uh, big question for players on the fringe. So guys who don't get drafted or fall out of the NBA, um, who are just kind of that next pool of, you know, let's say three, four, 500 players. Um, you know, the big question is whether or not you stick around and and sign with the G league team or sign into the G league, um, or go play overseas. Cause all of those guys have opportunities to play in Europe in Asia, um, you know, kind of all over the world. So, and those contracts can be significantly bigger than what um, you know we talked about earlier. Those forty thousand uh, contracts in the G League, like you, you can get guys overseas making millions, uh, certainly six figures. Um, and so you basically have this decision between uh, you know chasing your dream, chasing the NBA, because the G League gives you the best opportunity to make it, or signing this lucrative contract and not necessarily kissing your NBA dream goodbye, but it's like way harder to make it once you've kind of fallen off the radar and, um, you know, gone overseas. So that is a, a major, um, decision that these guys have to make. And it's a lot harder than I think people realize, um, cause you're making it, you have to basically make it and then remake it every single summer. Uh, if you haven't gotten to the NBA, um, and so much goes into that, whether it's like, where are you, where are you playing? You know, how far is it? Can your family come with you? Um, you know, what's the situation going to be there? Are they, you know, certain overseas organizations have, they have problems of their own and are you going to be happy living there? Is it a huge culture shock? Um, And then in the G league, like what are your actual chances of making it? Are you spending a season here? And it's like completely like crazy to imagine that you can make it to the NBA or are you right there? And, you know, even if you sign two 10 day contracts, now the money is pretty much the same. Um, so these are decisions that these guys have to make every year. Um, and the book, uh, you know, tries to capture one, how hard that decision is to make, um, and just kind of outlines just all of the options that, that these guys, um, you know, who are on the fringes of the NBA uh, have and, and how hard it is to choose between them. Right. Cause it isn't just like
0: deciding between whether or not you want to play in Birmingham or, you know, Utah, it's deciding whether or not right. you want to
1: play in China, or New Zealand right. or, or, or like, like literally no, everywhere. It's so crazy. And it's such a, like, you know, I, one of the players, Joe young, he was making millions in China. And then he, he chose to come from China to the G league. So he turned down another million dollar contract to sign for 40,000 in the G league to try to get to the NBA. Um, and you know, that, that his major goal, the major reason he did it is because he thought he could get to the NBA and that was the easiest path and that was his dream and his major goal. And, you know, he was dominating in China and felt like his talent was more, you know, matched the NBA, not the CBA in China. Um, but there's other factors. I mean, his family, he's, he's got kids. Um, his family lives in in Houston and he was going to China every year and, and, you know, he doesn't, you know, know many people out there. The culture is completely different. Um, and so I think that a lot of times overseas, the experience can be lonely. It can be um, just not what you intended or what you imagined for your career, or your life. So those decisions are a lot harder than just like, here's a bigger contract, go sign there. Um, you know, especially when you have childhood dreams in the mix, like the, you know, logic kind of goes out the door when you're talking about people pursuing their dreams. So um, yeah, that, that's a, a big theme of, kind of life in the G League is uh, those decisions and, um, you know, all the factors that come into play.
0: I think uh, it, based on what you've said, like obviously there's there's pros and cons to the G League, but do you have a sort of overall assessment about whether or not the G League is a good system? You know, keeping in mind that it's clearly been evolving quite a bit over the past few years.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, I think I think first of all, like there's no question that conditions, salaries, things like that can improve and should improve you know if you can make that decision a little bit easier for a player to make because by signing in the g league they're not giving up so much uh, and not sacrificing so much you know that that would be a much more ideal system uh but in terms of just like does the system work like are the players um improving are they getting called up are they um you know assignment guys are they then you know having more success in the nba after having experience in the G League? I think at this point, it's just like undeniable. Um, and I kind of knew that going in, but then you see it up close and you see how much development there is, the investment from NBA teams. Um, you know, it, it's, like I said, it's still young, but it's like certainly growing. And because there's so much more uh, evidence of how much it works, the investment is is becoming greater and greater. Uh, but yeah, there's so many guys. I mean, an Alex Caruso, Gary Payton, Seth Curry, um, Fred Van fleet, Pascal Siakam, um, Gabe Vincent, Duncan Robinson, like all these guys have experience in the G league and, you know, guys like Caruso played over a hundred games in the G league before he was able to make it to the NBA. And now he's one of the best defenders in the NBA. So, um, you know, all those guys who have been there and I interview a bunch of them for the book, they swear that like that experience, uh, is the reason they made it and just becoming kind of laser focused on what they have to do uh, to stick in the NBA. So, uh, in terms of whether or not it's working, I mean, it's major goal is to prepare players for the NBA, whether they're assignment guys or call-ups. Um, so I think that now with all the guys that are uh, landing in the the G league and then going on to the NBA, it's kind of undeniable. I think the number at the beginning of this season was like 50% of players on NBA rosters had experience in the G league. So like pretty much, you know, half of the guys had just touched the G league court before. So that's, uh that kind of tells you everything you need to know yeah that's pretty that's uh that's pretty remarkable and you know like I, I remember
0: when when Caruso got called up and there's always this phenomenon where someone gets called a player gets called up and they like play since it's such a sensational level because they are so are they so desperately want to stay in the NBA and it's always it's always fun to watch these players it's very inspiring
1: Totally. No, that, that was really what drew me to it initially. I mean, these stories of guys like Andre Ingram who wrote the forward, uh, Jeremy Lynn, you know, he plays a game in the G league and then becomes this like superstar. I mean, to me, what, you know, I, I wanted to kind of outline what the G league is and for like basketball junkies kind of, this is a, a lesser known part of a professional basketball journey. Um, but to me, like the story is, is inspirational kind of chasing your dreams story. Um, and, uh, it's like guys like Andre Ingram or, you know, all the stories that you were alluding to where it's guys who just like, they get there and it's this incredible emotional experience. Like, um, you know, I think everybody on some level can kind of relate to just like persevering through obstacles and believing in this goal and doing everything within your power to chase it. Uh, and then what it's like when, when you kind of get to the mountaintop. So um, yeah, that, like just seeing that, that stuff happen, that stuff play out was what drew me to it initially. So I, I'm wondering, you know,
0: after your study of the G league and writing this book, how has your, how is your experience of watching basketball changed? Do, do you want, look at the game differently now?
1: Totally. Um, it's changed in a number of ways. I would say the, well, the first thing I'll say is that like, you know, when you're, actually embedded with the team. You know, I, I played basketball growing up. I've been writing about basketball for a long time. I've always been a fan. I feel like I have a, or felt like I had a very good grasp of the game. And then you're standing in a locker room for like a film session and you're like, what is going on? You know, you're like, I actually have, know nothing. I mean, it's like a totally different language. So I think just like on the surface, like the appreciation for just like all that goes into it and, um, you know, kind of being humbled a little bit and understanding that like, I might love basketball, and know basketball. These guys really love and really know basketball on a level that I'll, um, you know, can only kind of hope to to uh, aspire towards, really. Um, and two, I think there, uh, you know, a lot of the G League guys who make it to the NBA, Caruso, Gabe, uh, Gabe Vincent, Gary Payton, you know, Seth Curry, these are role players who, um, in a lot of cases, you know, like a PJ Tucker, Jose Alvarado, who do like the little things, um, you know, guys that uh, I think typical NBA fans in like a lot of cases might dismiss or just not really uh, see the value in the things that they're doing. Um, and, you know, I was kind of, because I was so close to to the NBA and the basketball, I, I think I was better at spotting that stuff, but now it's like a totally different level. You know, I can watch a game and see a guy from the G League and you know, he might not score or he, uh, he might be standing in the corner half the time. And, you know, I think maybe the common perception of that is like, you know, what, what is this guy doing? Like, what's his value? He's just standing in the corner. And now there's kind of a, like, respect and understanding for like, well, he's standing in the corner because that creates space for the superstar to drive. And if he moves, that screws up everything. And as long as he's standing there and playing hard defense and, you know, hits his threes when they come, I can you know, at least now I I understand that that's what he's being told to do. You know, that's not necessarily what his skill level is or, um, but that's why he's on the floor and that's why he earned a contract in the NBA. So, uh, I watch it differently in that, like there's a appreciation for all that goes into it and for what the role players and the guys who come from the G league are doing, uh, to stick in the NBA and to, to earn those kind of life-changing contracts. So so uh you
0: know one last question about the nba do you have a pick for who's gonna win the championship this year
1: <laughs> oh man um uh, well i'm a diehard Knicks fan uh and i'm loving how we're playing I don't know since you got, <laughs> got og but i can't like I, my like brothers listen to this and i don't say the Knicks, like they will never forgive me so i'm gonna say the Knicks. maybe we make a couple more moves here before the deadline um but um loving how they're playing with og if i had to go with a different team if I had to uh I would say probably Boston and that pains me to say but like they're the team that scares me the most and they look the most kind of dangerous across the board but um I'm going with the I'll double down on the next I think we're we're gonna surprise some people and um the new yeah. the new squad looks great. Are you a Knicks fan too? Because Brooklyn. Right? I'm actually
0: I'm actually not a, a Knicks fan. I'm I'm from Los Angeles, so I guess I'm a Lakers fan. Okay. Um, though I'm more of a UCLA basketball fan, and I kind of just you know that that's led me to be to root for different teams at different times, depending on. Yeah. Gotcha. Russell.
1: Russell. I'm a, I'm a sad Russell Westbrook fan. Oh man, dude, um, my family loves Russell Westbrook. We are <laughs> we are yeah. huge Russell Westbrook defenders, yeah. <laughs> um, and the Clippers look good. So
0: yeah, my, my my cousin, who's very you know, who's my sort of uh you know person I talk to talk about basketball with the most, um, uh, is a is a massive Clippers fan. So you know, it's okay. I'll, I'll get the uh, you know, if the Clippers win, I'm happy for him. Um, <laughs> you know, though so I am you know the Lakers. I don't know.
1: It's hard to not be a Lakers fan if you're if you grew I up mean, in LA. LeBron, yeah. I mean, I'm <laughs> pulling for Knicks Knicks Lakers then, man. If if Knicks Lakers happens, I'm coming back on the pod. Yeah, yeah, we're doing absolutely. a full we're doing a full <laughs> Knicks and Lakers pot. Yeah, all of that we'll cut do a uh, recap of all
0: the G League players that that are on those teams. Love it. Um, that sounds great. Well, Alex, thank you so much for being guest on, on the New Books Network. The book is Life in the G: Minor League Basketball and the Relentless Pursuit of the NBA uh, from Nebraska Press, one of our press partners. Uh, they they do excellent books, especially excellent sports books. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much, Alex.
1: Thank you so much for having me, man. Really appreciate it.